Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Fraxify and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K. We're here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel and talk about Flywheel. It's in the name. It's in his profile picture. It's the alchemical Flywheel, Ouroboros Capital, on the show, giving his Frax thesis and showing his conviction and showing how he has his conviction on his sleeve. Kit. Thoughts on this one? What should user pen should people expect? Paper note taking. So good. And listen to how he answers all of to, to prevent this from being an echo chamber. I try to ask all of the objective or like the risk driven questions. So listen to how he addresses each of these. And obviously we didn't prep him. This is from his own analysis, from his own research, and that is you know what he has to say. So so pay attention to that too. Take notes, everyone. You heard the man. And take notes on every episode because we keep coming at you with Alpha. If you want to keep up with all the Alpha, make sure you hit that bell button, subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and hit that like button. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlywheelDefi. Join our Telegram group at FlywheelDefi. Follow me on Twitter at DefiDave22. And follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the Ouroboros spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome to Flywheel. And we have a really, really exciting episode uh, on our hands today. We have on... Mr. Ouroboros Capital. Uh, Ouroboros has been in the Frax community for some time and has been an active investor uh, in the chat, in the forum, uh, has a lot of great insights, and we really wanted to get him on just to like see how he thinks and what his whole viewpoint. And he has a uh, written thesis about FXS coming up pretty soon. So we're going to get into all that on this episode. Uh, Ouroboros, uh, or, or you say OU. Uh, thank you for coming on. Hey, um, pleased to be on and uh, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Now, I want to start this episode off not with DeFi, but with uh, your name, uh, Ouroboros, because I'm really into alchemy and Gnosticism. And uh, I'm going to take a quote from uh, the Wikipedia page about Ouroboros. About you, and in the Jungian psychology section, it says, uh, in the age of image of the Ouroboros, lies the thought of devouring oneself and turning oneself into a circulatory process. For it was clear to the more astute alchemists that the prima materia of the art was man himself. The Ouroboros is a dramatic symbol for the integration and assimilation of the opposite. Example of the shadow, this feedback process is at the same time a symbol of immortality since it is said of the Ouroboros that he slays himself and brings himself to life Fertilizes, fertilizes himself and gives himself birth. He symbolizes the one who proceeds from the clash of opposites, and he therefore constitutes Bye. the secret of the prima materia, which unquestionably stems from man's unconscious. Now, with that preview, um, how'd you get your name? <laughs> and, uh, big question. Um, so I, I also, I think, by some chance, discovered the um, symbol. I think... Um, then I started doing some research on it, and there are obviously multiple um, 
interpretations of it. It's found uh, in, in, in all sorts of uh, ancient uh, Greek, Greek uh, scriptures, Egyptian scriptures, and I like I like the multiple interpretations of it actually, and I think it has a lot of um, I think meaning um, associated with it that's relevant to DeFi, uh, as well as you know how how <laughs> as well as you know how how I see life in general. I think I mean if you think about DeFi, um, even though today, especially in the bond market, uh, most of the revenue by protocols were actually in uh, one way or another derived from emissions, right? Yeah. So in a way it's it's sort of the circular reference that I think, you know, the 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 Ouroboros also represents that, you know, it just goes round and round and no one really knows, you know, what's constantly sending this uh, virtual cycle um or or, or, or the five you know, uh, yeah. for, for lack of a better word. And at the same time I also like how it represents how the snake sort of goes through this uh, as you mentioned devouring itself by the cycle of pain um but also constantly evolves and, and reiterates yeah. and, and and gets stronger and i think um that's also again um another um thing that we're seeing in some of the survivors of, of the bear market yeah i think the snake really symbolizes you either devour yourself you completely devour yourself and you're done or you're evolving you're consuming yourself but you're not consuming yourself entirely, you're growing. And, uh, you know, the right DeFi protocols, you know, they're growing cyclically, cyclically and, uh, you know, so, and I think one of them is Frax, of course. <laughs> Talk about flywheels. 100%, 100%. 100%. So, uh, you know, before we get into Frax, uh, what's your background and how'd you get into investing and how'd you get into crypto? Yeah, so, um, you know, wow, it goes way back. So. I was one of those um, really odd um, kids that you know liked investing and trading even before college. So I uh, read a ton of you know like Buffett books, you know equity trading, investing, and whatnot, and and always thought that you know I wanted to you know be a professional equities um, trader. Started my career trading equities, investment banks for close seven years. Discovered Bitcoin in 2012, uh, but you know it was really early. But you know I always thought it was just a purely speculative, turbocharged speculative. I wouldn't even call it an asset class at that point. Um, and you know several um, points in time uh, in 2012, 2017, I've revisited um, you know speculating in crypto, uh, but it was only really until 2021. Um, during DeFi summer, where I've come to learn that DeFi protocols have revenue and actually behave very much like companies, tech companies, developing technology, um, deriving fees and revenue of these businesses that it started to look more equity-like to me. And, and, and that is how, you know, I, I thought it was absolutely at the frontier of, you know, growth tech. Um, and wanted to get into it. So I think at the tail end of uh, 2020 and early 21, you know, I was doing a bunch of really digest shit working from home <laughs> on, on, on DeFi. And I remember the first week of going back to the office uh, in 21, I, I just realized I can't do my job anymore. I was just absolutely uh... distracted. And I, I just can't do it anymore. And I, I just can't be, I can't be doing bug. this. You're, yeah, you gotta I, I just to the I, game. Yeah, I just I just can't I just can't um you know focus on my job and I, I just have to watch all these farms that I was in here you know, nonstop and 
looking at coins and, and, and at a point, you know, you even today, you can't just rock up and say, hey, I want to join a crypto fund, right? So um, it, it was not possible to, you know, just transit from uh, a job in an in investment bank being a trader to, to just tomorrow being at a crypto fund. Um, and the best way to do this was to just quit my job, <laughs> to, to quit my job and, and move it on my own capital. So that was what I did um, for a bit and um, sort of, you know, started trading my own capital, uh, but using, you know, very equity-like lens, you know, knowledge and sort of context that I've learned in, in my like seven years careers in, in equities. Um, but um, I think a year into that um, was when I raised external capital. So we raised from a family office and we're now running external capital uh, and that is where we are. Nice, congrats. Thank yeah, you. Congrats. Yeah. Um, so in your DeFi journey, when did you first stumble upon Frax? And did you develop your conviction in Frax immediately? Did you say like, oh, I get it? Or was it something that you know happened over time? Very early on, I think um, even in the first iteration of Frax, I knew about Frax, you know, the time when um, Synergy was a thing, when... Uh, <laughs> wow. Were you in ESD and DSD, Ouroboros? <laughs> yeah, I did a bunch of those legion <laughs> shit as well. Okay, <laughs> were you in those um, things? Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> no, I was in that. I was in the iron finance thing. <laughs> oh, me too, I was in that. <laughs> did you yeah, get out? Yeah, yeah, I got out. Yeah, me but, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, so, so I, I, I really liked that idea, but also at the same time, I could see why it was totally unsustainable. Um, and but but what really got my attention about Shrax was how it seems like Sam Casemir never has to sneak, <laughs> and it was just all the time replying to the stuff on on the family fan chat, and that was that gave me an absolutely positive uh, impression of the founder and the team because you know in my equities when you trade equities you interact a lot with management you know it, it's more of a people i would say it's more of a people type of instrument than you know foreign currency or you know commodities equities is a lot about you know reading the founder, the DNA of the company, the team, how they typically behave around situations. And Sam, I think, struck me as someone that was willing to even answer, you know, questions from, you know, the normal guy and the Brax chat, even the questions that were extremely basic. I think that struck me off as a really A-plus uh, team at founder. So then got my attention. Um, can um, we actually go into that point where you said, yeah, in equities, sure. you, it's really a people judgment call when more so than commodities or foreign currencies. Um, I haven't heard that before, but can you explain that point a bit more? Yeah, I mean, certain companies with, I mean, I think a good example that's relatable for all of us is Michael Saylor, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. You see, I mean, the thing is, um, my strategy is like a pseudo, um, the queen chef at this point, but yeah. The, the, the point is, you know, he's so damn convicted about BTC that they raise debt, they raise equity, buy more Bitcoin, that it becomes this, you know that this guy that's running the ship would be absolutely buying the dips. So you're not only getting a Bitcoin ETF, you're getting something that would turbo bid Bitcoin when, you know, it's peak fear, when it's dipping. And that's sort of how I would, I would describe it that knowing the DNA 
of the guide, the helm of the ship, helps you also understand the behavior of uh, the stock, right? And, and, and how, you know, it tends to behave around certain situations. Yeah. Um, and so what characteristics do you look for uh, in a founder or head of the ship? I think someone that's just nonstop, like obsessed about, you know, mm. developing the product, evolving it, not fixed on one iteration. And and I think we're seeing that. I think that that's, I, I obviously didn't, um, I didn't absolutely got convinced of that from day one uh, about Sam, but I think through the multiple iterations of Frax, I think he has more than convinced me that he, he thinks about this day and night and is absolutely uh, obsessed about it. And, and, and judging from how 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 active he had his on the on the Frax Telegram, so I think that the the issue with a lot of D five founders is they're young, right? And you know, there, there are people who has come to wealth so quickly, so young, mm. a bunch of them end up owning um, super yachts, you know, partying with uh, models every week. Yeah. The incentives, they, they get distracted, right? And mm-hmm. I think you can tell, like, some of these protocols post-developing V1, they stay static. You know, yeah. we, we see that, right, without naming names. But yes, Sam is just still on the Fax Telegram every day, um, regardless of the time, I see him there Asia morning, Asia evening, you know, he's just there. So I think that that tells you that, you know, at least, you know, that the guy driving the car is, is wide awake and paying attention. Okay. How do we get the rest of the market to think like you do about founders yes. and how do we get the rest of the market to, to like show, like be like, yo guys, like look who's in the fucking chat 24 seven, not sleeping, answering every question whether it's a basic question or the most advanced question but also because that, o is I, I, in the chat every day yeah. too you know <laughs> every it day. takes that it takes the other side as well to recognize real recognize real you know yeah yeah so this is this is a good question which i'm also struggling to find the answer to but i'll give you i'll give you a story right just yesterday or the day before i was talking to this i was talking to this trader right um he is one of the big market makers that, that definitely anyone would know if I name it. He runs um, the trading book, and I was just talking to him about Frax. And, you know, this guy's obviously, we were talking top tier level, savvy institutional crypto investor. But even so, there are many concepts of Frax that were still complex to him. I was, I was basically talking to him because I was walking him through my thesis, explaining to him certain concepts. And that made me realize that, look, if this guy is, is, hasn't fully wrapped his head around it, how can we expect the general, you know, uh, population of traders and investors <laughs> to do that, right? <laughs> this is something that me, Kit, and Sam struggle with every day. And we're slowly exactly. overcoming. And, like, we've yeah. definitely seen more Fraxmas come around and more Threaders come out. Um, shout out to Stable Scarab. Shout out, there's so many. Shout out... Um, Poop man, DeFi. Like, there's so many. Like, I, I can't name them all, but more. Hundred percent. Like, yeah, like they've like because of Flywheel and other people in the community and the efforts we've been doing, we have been you know making a little bit of effort. We've been shipping at it. We've been shipping, and that's all you can do, especially mm-hmm. in the bear market. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I also want to ask. I think. You, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go uh, on. Uh, I just want to ask. No, is no, there no, a I was just going to say. I think you guys. Difference? You guys did. Uh, uh, all right, let, I was going to say, I think yeah. you guys did like a, a absolutely great job and definitely a very strategic muscle 
you know, for Fract. And, and I've seen, I've, I've been in that chat since V1. So I've also seen how the community has developed. So kudos to you guys. I think you're definitely a big part of that as well. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you, sir. Yeah, sorry, uh, I, yeah, I, go I, on. I didn't mean to cut you off yet. I, I wanted to ask if you saw any kind of difference between like the East reception of Frax versus like the Western markets reception of Frax. That's a good question. I mean, I I have this general, um, I'm not sure how, whether it's true or not, but I have this general impression that investors in Asia are more Bijan. Yeah. Yeah. And they find concepts that are complex um, and not, I would say, degen and not, they don't take the concepts that are complex and at the same time does not give you like the 10x, you know, immediate upside. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what puts them off about, you know, something like Frax because I can go on explaining Frax the whole day and I can tell them that, hey, look, it makes like 20 million in, in revenue and they're like, Wait, million, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> but how does it pump? How do we pump? Yeah. <laughs> I, I need something that, you know, makes uh, 20 million with like a uh, 50 million market cap. <laughs> and they'll be like, this project is too old. It's, uh, it's too big. <laughs> so so <laughs> I think they're less interested in, in, in blue chips and, and they're more interested in narratives, um, mm. which, is, which, is, which is, I think, what creates a lot of uh, dislocations in the market as well. Which is which is good for guys like me. Do you think more narratives come out of the east or west? Well, that's a good question. I, I I don't think there is. I actually don't think there is a, a sort of um, um, specific location that comes out from. I think I think there is. I think narratives stem from this inner circle of, you know, people within crypto behind the scenes just trying to profit from you know creating stories that's my that's my conspiracy theory uh, yeah. i have no evidence of that but that's my conspiracy theory and and i think that that's sort of what, what turns the, the rumor mill i think it's a combination of conspiracy but i feel like conspiracy plays much less of a role than people think i think these things just naturally form and they become self-fulfilling prophecies for example at the beginning of the year you had the lsd narrative and I think anybody with a brain could see the LSD narrative coming from a mile away. It just took until it, it, it literally took DJ and Spartan tweeting uh, so a meme that referenced something that he posted three years ago about uh, Rocket Pool and Coin or Lido and Coin or some shit that to get everybody threading about else. It just takes like a little snap like that. And then boom, everybody has that narrative on the tip of their tongue. Um, and like, in my opinion, um, I kind of like to categorize the East and West in terms of the DNA is, I feel like generally the West is builders in DNA and the East is generally traders in DNA. That's not mutually exclusive, but like from my observations and from being out there, it's a lot more trader centric in the East. And I'm just like wondering, like, I always want, how do you like bridge the gap between the two? Like, how do you get like, you know, them to like work together to grow the space and grow, you know, the market cap in general? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think, um... I think I think the fun, I think the function of that is also, as well, you know, very similar in tech, right? Like traditional tech, does you have these like big tech colleges in, in the U.S. There's just natural culture that they want to be an entrepreneur. America is like the land of entrepreneurship, right? So um, there's this there's this culture and this DNA. But um, at the same time, I think um, 
it's strange as well because you see a lot of you know tech entrepreneurs coming out of China, but I think you know naturally because of you know crypto and 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 and, and it's standing in, in, in there that that growth is still not turbocharged yet, right? So perhaps we'll see a wave of that coming uh, in the future, uh, or and it's more free, but. Um, I, I think we raised a good point about you know the marriage of, of the builder and investor, and and I think that's sort of where I see our worst capital uh, fitting. I like to mm-hmm. describe ourselves as you know being very hands-on type of investors. We're not just um, cutting checks, um, but also you know be be using our voice and our network and as much as we can, whoever we know within crypto to help the protocol achieve its objectives, achieve its growth connecting them to people, being really vocal and explaining certain concepts and, and helping you know, the general public understand uh, a certain protocol and, and therefore crystallize what we think is, is the value that it has not yet crystallized, right? Um, so, yeah. so activist investor, I guess, is, is a term to yeah. use, but um, I, think, I think definitely that, that there is a lack of that within crypto and, 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 and mm. as we get more and more of that, I think that's where we can see founders and builders working hand in hand with investors as well. I think we've seen attempts at activist investing, but they just didn't go well. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to name names, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also, along I this. Would, I, yeah, I would also add one more point about the East and West, and then Kate, you can ask your question. So, you know, I feel like people, you know, no, Satoshi Nakamoto, it's in his name, you know, Japanese, like reference is Japanese in origin. But also at the same time, like in the first Genesis block, he references, uh, you know, the UK, like the banks on the brink of second bailouts. So he, it's like Satoshi knew that the future of crypto was going to come from the East, but also like builder and DNA. Like that's how I kind of view it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think China played a massive role in, you know, spring oh, yeah. morning crypto, right? Uh, most of the original bidders and owners of Bitcoin were very Chinese and major miners. Um, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, along this line of thought, right? Oh, I wanted to dig into what do you think can help Frax become more trader friendly and kind of get, you know, it's worth of attention share. Like, you know, I feel like Frax could, FXS could cure cancer and still be down on the charts. You know, like, I, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> oh, this is this is a good point. <laughs> you know, I, like I always see this saying in, in some of the chats I'm in. Um, you know, like that's a cursed coin, right? <laughs> like, yeah, people yes. like to say that. Um, but I think we're on the way there, right? I mean, I I remember pre pre what's that site like stats Frex Finance, and we have mm-hmm. uh, Frex Academy. I mean, pre those, mm-hmm. it was so difficult to understand. Um, it was so difficult to understand the revenue streams, these moving parts. But we're slowly developing those and those dashboards. To be to be honest, they're still quite complex to navigate sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think we're definitely on our way there. And I think eventually, when we develop that ecosystem of you know dashboards and data that's so intuitive for people to navigate and track. Then that will definitely take Frax into becoming a much more institutional friendly and and, and retail friendly as well uh, investment product. Yeah, you can really see the emphasis the team is putting on both the facts that Frax finance website on the new docs 
uh, that are coming out that Drake's been pushing and getting feedback on. I think the team recognizes the importance of attracting you know, that type of institutional capital. And in order to do that, you have to present Frax in a certain kind of way. Yep. And yeah. uh, for have a shameless plug here, we also have the Frax incent academic incentive program where you can yeah, come Frax and create dashboards, incentive. infographics, or anything to simply educate and spread how Frax Volume operates. This yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Oro, I, I think you are absolutely spot on about creating like Frax information more accessible. And I like the way that Frax is doing it from like a bottoms up community centric, like let the threaders do the thing, let the dashboard builders do their thing and the dune wizards do their thing and just let that narrative take on its own. It's just, I guess now we're just going to be patient and wait it out. You know, it is like the sit on hands moment. It's like, wait until yeah. the market recognize that we are right. <laughs> and it's a lot more organic too. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know? Do you guys know if like the Frax Academy and Stats Frax sites are actually by the community or like the someone no, no, from the, the Frax team. team run them? That's by the team. Uh, those that's are by the, the team. Those, yeah. Okay. Those okay. are by the team. Those are by the team. But then Seba, uh, who actually created the first Dune dashboard, who was also happens to be the first flywheel guest, yeah, created like an, a couple more dashboards on Dune, and then he created this recent one tracking Frax ETH on Flipside Crypto. So th there's also a big problem of like this diaspora of dashboards across kind of like the ecosystem that is not all in one place. Like DeFi Llama has some pretty good stuff too about Frax, but overall it's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, I remember um, Seba, you, he wrote this massive mirror um, that helped me understand right. AMOs, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of making Frax more accessible, Ouroboros, how would you describe Frax in a few sentences with someone with a basic grasp of DeFi? Wow. I would say that it's trying to create, you know, a decentralized stablecoin that does not need any centralized entity to run on um, using parts of DeFi like Curve, um, with just Borrowland and all that. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. But, you know, you, you asked a good question because even trying to describe that is tough, which is, you know, it tells you how <laughs> complex it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you, ever, you guys ever see that meme of the, there's like the person like above ground and then like, and then you go deeper in the ocean and it gets like darker and weirder and weirder and weirder. And then like, it's like the lowest point, it's a beluga whale. Like yes. Frax AMOs are like down, like near the beluga whale section. <laughs> yeah. This AMO stuff is really giga brain to be honest, but yeah. but I think as a, as a result of that, it's also hard to explain. Yeah, like Kit, how would you describe Frax in a few sentences? <sighs> Man, putting me on the spot right here. Yeah, um, putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say ta um, tables have turned. Frax is a stable coin producing protocol that has three stable coins, Frax, FPI, and Frax ETH. And they utilize a set of sub protocols such as Frax Lend, Frax Ferry, and Frax Swap to facilitate the DeFi Holy Trinity effectively for the stable coins. Yeah, you pretty much got my definition. You know, I'll take a crack at it. Uh, so <laughs> what is Frax to you? Hey, if you're listening yeah. to this and you're on YouTube, 
write down in the comments. Yeah, how hit a comment. Frax in a few sentences. Come on. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so I agree. Frax is a protocol that issues decentralized, innovative stable coins and also builds sub protocols to support them. AMOs are basically how the protocol backs Frax and its stable coins. I like to say that. You know, Frax is backed by DeFi. Frax is backed by Curve LP tokens. Frax is backed by its activities that it does throughout DeFi. And that's what really gives it a leg up above everyone else. Cool. And um, yeah. so just to, to double down on, on this, uh, oh, I, I want to ask you, like, what stands out the most about Frax to you? I think the team, for sure, 100%. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing as well is I think the many parts that comes together makes it able to run without anyone meddling with it, to be honest, right? If you think about, um, the AMOs is a great example, pre the AMOs, you know, um, the, the peg was, I think a little more clunky, but post the AMO basically it runs by itself which kind of manages itself um and and i think the, these these numerous parts as we add more and more of them we see how you know it grows bigger and bigger and becomes a more it runs you know, more and more smoothly and and it becomes this better oiled uh, machine yeah on your first point i don't know if you know this but i worked with the frax team at my first job at our first startup that's the uh, wiki thing, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Everpedia, formerly Everpedia, yeah. now IQ Wiki. So I saw firsthand the insane worth ethic of Sam and Travis. And it's nothing I've ever seen before and nothing I've really seen since. Like, they're obsessed. And they already had that learning curve. I mean, Sam has been in crypto for 10 years. Like he had, even in 2017, when we first were getting into crypto with Everpedia, he already had the learning curve with when he was mining Dogecoin. And I'm like, oh shit, this guy knows, knows his stuff. But then like after doing like a whole project and going through that, and then when Brax came along, like he already had all this experience on top of, you know, his obsessiveness with this idea, which has really been in development since 2018, like since we first thought of it. And so just seeing the evolution from idea to research to where it is today is really incredible. And like, you really hit the nail on the head and judging character of, you know, the entire Frax team. Yeah, yeah. We just need the rest of the market to see what we see as well. <laughs> I know. It's just the thing with Twitter, especially, it like, it highlights uh, demagogues. It doesn't highlight people like Sam. It will highlight Sam when he does say something because now, you know, he has grown a voice and when, it, when, he, when he talks, people listen. But he's not going to be like, you know, the one like, you know, yelling from the rooftops and like trying to like, you know, like play around. He has more important things to do. Yeah. And so yeah, a, a, yeah. a counter example, I was, you guys remember in last cycle, Daniel Siesta with Frog yeah. Nation, right? Okay. Like he was arguably he was also, it, but he was also arguably on Twitter, on Telegram or Discord rather, like all the time, right? But it just yeah. done very differently than how Sam K yeah. does it. Well, right, like the, the, the main, the main, the main characters of, uh, he became a, yeah, yeah, no, Sam what a throwback. Yeah. 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 Um, with Daniel, like with Daniel, yes, with Danielle, 
I like to Danielle describe Dick, him right? as yeah, Daniel as he is the archetype of like a South American populist leader from the 30s and 40s, like using very simple, basic language to rile up the common man. Like I swear to God, he literally tweeted like, I'm doing this for the 12 hour workers. I'm doing this for the carpenters and that <laughs> like, like, but like this goes to your point about before, like simplifying the language for like general retail to understand, to hop on. So it's not impossible. Yeah. It's like they just did it with like, oh, magic internet money, like this and that. And they had a lot of great language with it. And it was like people just picked it up. And, you know, he was able to rile people up, like whether it was in like Twitter spaces or in the Discord. Like he was an incredible leader. But at the same time, with that kind of energy, it's very chaotic. And with populist energy, whether it's, you know, in DeFi in 2022 or in South America in 1932, it's unsustainable. And that you just ends up like blowing up at the end of the day. Because like when you have a populist leader, you like it needs to institutionalize somehow. And they were in the process of institutionalizing, like they were like partnering with Orca or Arca or some shit. They like were like about to merge with Sushi. Like they were about to take over the game and then it just like all fell apart. Yeah. Frog Nation. I su I've studied political <laughs> science in college. Like, I just, I, 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 okay. It's like, oh so, shit, so, like, I can play there. On that note, on that note, oh, I want to ask you, what do you think Frax can improve on? Yeah, good question. Wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> I think, I think to be honest, uh, like like one we've discussed, um, getting the community to build these sort of dashboards and sort of educational uh, venues um, is, is is good. But but I do think that there's still a lot more that can be done faster on a more like centralized pace um, regarding these dashboards, right? Like. If you go to, I think I I still got one of the dashboards is that's um, dot frax the one where it breaks down the collateral ratio. Collateral ratio is a great example, right? No one, I mean, the average person doesn't know what constitutes the collateral ratio. <laughs> yeah. We we need something that breaks it down on on these dashboards, right? Let's just show it, okay. you know. I have two things to say. One, in not not only do we have like the frax ecosystem incentives program. But we have the Frax Build Hackathon, where one of the categories is data and analytics. So you can actually win that category uh, and, you know, take it. We're, we want people to build dashboards there. So it's definitely become a priority to us and the entire Frax team. And then the second thing I'd like to say is one of the most exciting things that Frax Fax is coming out with very soon is the balance sheet of Frax itself. Like they already have it for Frax ETH, but once that balance sheet is up, and it updates block by block, that's more transparent than anything, not just in DeFi, but in TradFi, like anything in finance, it is ahead of its time. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. so now, aside from this, like any improvements on product, on, you know, BD, on strategy, anything more along those lines, oh? Yeah, I think BD as well, um, I don't know, I don't know how aggressive Frax is on BD, um, but it, 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 it just uh, um, amazes me that, you know, when I look at, say, like Lido, they're, they're obviously very aggressively pursuing anyone with a huge sack of ETH, right? You see them everywhere on these governance forums, just trying to get protocols, um, chains to stake their ETH with Lido. And, and, that's the, and the result of that is, you know, what we see with Lido today with more than 10 billion staked ETH. I think. Frax is an amazing product. It might not be in its you know final form, or uh, it might not be a finished product yet. But I think concurrently we, we can definitely do with 
you know, very strong BD muscles, someone getting out there, getting protocols to, 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 to you know, sort of use back to their power, stating their ether, frax leaf. I just don't see why at this point, I'm sure you guys know as well, but, you know, frax leaf is the best each taking derivative out there, but there's no, no reason why no one should use it over uh, the others. Yeah, you saw that how press when he um, was looking for an alternative to Steve, he chose Fraxy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like people were like, why did you choose Frax? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it has the highest yield. Like, you know what? It's at the end of the day, objectively, it's like the number that matters. Yeah, it's, it's the number that matters. And at the same time, you know, with Fraxy 52, it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be even better, right? It's going to be even better than... Way more decentralized, too. Way more decentralized, even better for validators and not just the users as well. It's going to be awesome. And I would like to, to, you know, specify my point when I said, uh, you know, it's a number that matters. It's a number that matters to, like, the people with ETH, like, in traders. Like, to me, I care about decentralization. But I want to make that, like, clear before anybody misquotes me. Yes, and then uh, also and if you think about it, um, sorry, I just want to go into Braxy for a little because yeah, I, 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 you know, I think there are two main differentiators about any sort of liquid stick beat, right? It's one, obviously the number, the yield, but second, it's also liquidity. I mean, as much as with you know uh, withdrawal queues, you you still need some time to get your ETH out, and the the point is, you know, with how the Braxy AMO works, there's always this huge thick amount of liquidity there that allows you to quickly get out of Fraxy into ETH. So yeah, I just think I just think that, you know, on, on no matter how you you cut it, like Fraxy is just the best set of good staking. There's no there. second best. Yeah. Every so, oh actually I you nailed on the exact question that I wanted to ask you. As a fund manager, trader and a very, very active market participant, liquidity is a key concern here. And with the curve pool kind of sitting at, you know, 70, 30 or whatever the rate is, there's about like 30,000 ETH being paired against Frax ETH. Like, does that raise any concerns to you? Do you think that is like a huge a blockade for folks to deposit into Frax ETH? I would love to get your thoughts on that. Sorry, so, so you're saying there's a huge amount of liquidity in the curve pool and that would deter folks from no, depositing? They, what? There is an imbalance between the curve pool right now. There's 70% uh, of yeah, FRAX ETH and 30% yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I saw this on the chat as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so some, someone asked this on the chat too, right? And, yep. and basically, I think it's, it's another one of those you know, concept that people just don't understand that's, you know, very unfairly being misconstrued. I think the best way to sort of explain this in the most simple ways, if you just go to the curveball, there is an imbalance. But if you just punch in the number of how much you want to trade out of it, you still get, you know, a fair amount of it. It's still, you know, almost close to a one-to-one. And at the same time, when it's more imbalanced, you know, the AMO, that's when the AMO steps in, right? And that's sort of where it balances itself and that's how the protocol makes money and that's how the protocol runs itself. I think that's just that's just how it is and people just shouldn't look at the optically, you know, imbalanced number and and just come to a quick conclusion that there's something wrong here and it's going to depeg. I mean, if it depegs, just buy it. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's not completely obvious that like the imbalance is actually profitable for the protocol. On, because one, it's like they have their protocol on liquidity and there's more fax ETH in there for a reason. And two, um, you know, when it imbalances and the AMO like goes to work, rebalancing the pool, it profits off that ARP. 
So there's like multiple ways the protocol is making money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you all for that soundbite. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah, and so, and, Scott, mm -hmm. oh, go ahead, Kit. No, no, go ahead, Dave. Okay. Lead us I in. wanted, now that we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, the investment thesis a little bit, I want to get into, because you're preparing something, you're preparing a big report uh, that's going to come out pretty soon. That is your, that basically summarizes your conviction. It's like a buy side or sell side like report about FXS. Can we go into um, like the main takeaways of the report and like where you have like a price target for FRAX in the future? Yeah, I mean, let's start the first part, which is, you know, how, how the report is structured. Um, we sort of, I think where we sort of gained rapid conviction on FRAX is quite simply when you look at the price level of FRAX, right? There are a few ways to explain this. The most, the simplest and retail, most retail friendly way I explain this is when this token gets to the four to five dollar level, just buy it and often it just goes up. And there's a very simple reason why, because the team is awesome. They keep, they will keep building and you have a very good chance that what they're building will, will get paid attention to by the market and that catches a bid and that's sort of how you, you know, get rewarded. But obviously, you know, we, we don't want the, 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 the quick investment you guys just pay attention to facts. The way I describe it in my report as well is longer term, if you look at the history of facts and what they built, you know, it's come obviously a long way since the one you have AMOs, you have um, state, um, Eve product, and you have, you know, Fraxberry, which is on the equivalent of like a CCGP. You have, you know, Frax chain upcoming. Eventually we'll have Frax BTC. We'll have so many of these parts. And yet it still trades at, you know, close to the lows of the range, right? Which tells you that obviously these parts are not being valued, right? Um, at the same time, you know, the report would also do some sort of sizing on the value of growth to factor from a fundamental basis, how much money is Brax making? And is this valuation, you know, truly, may, maybe it's too expensive, that's why it's valued at the lows, but you know, what was discovered is it is not, right? Frax and Sam, and this is not proprietary information, this is on the public the Telegram chat that Sam has also said that Frax makes, you know, close to 20 million analyzed in revenue uh, per year. I think, you know, on a clean time multiple, um, that's pretty fair, and and, and I think the time is you know in fact cheap because this protocol is growing so rapidly, so quickly. It's venturing into so many other streams of of, of our functions, features, uh, and, and and revenues that um, definitely we will we'll see that that grow as well. So that's that sort of formed I think that first part of the report was establishing this asymmetric risk reward, right? That there is a it was a valuation score that I think the recent buyback program um, that we've proposed that I think is due for both today um, will will sort of reinforce this valuation because it's the protocols signaling the market and telling the market that hey look it's so cheap that we're willing to deport protocol balance sheet into the, into the buying our own tokens and, and at the same time, it's, it's it's not a crazy proposal that you know aims to only enrich you know short term traders, right? It is a very I think measured 
um, a proposal where it buys aggressively below four, which we rarely get there. And we, in fact, we only get there for a couple of days in this industry since the AMOs. Um, and, and then starts buying, you know, a, a bit, you know, below five. So I think it's fair measure. So, so now that I've established like the downside, that's the first part of the report. The upside and the second part of the report is where we hope to you know, uncover the upcoming catalyst, which we think in the next six to 12 months is extremely exciting, right? You have Frax Chain, which I think is extremely exciting. You have uh, Fraxiv V2. I think Fraxiv V2 is much more exciting than what people thought because, because, oh my God. because, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, because if you think about it, right, Rocketpool and Coinbase Eve. Have about one point five to two billion dollars of stake ETH. Fax mm-hmm. is like four hundred to five hundred million. And and like we mentioned earlier, this is this is the superior product. So I don't see why it catches. I don't see why it doesn't catch up to like two, right? Um, and if we think about Lido as well, the, one of the big big um, reason or one of the big drivers of how stake ETH grew to size was all of these like nuked. Sticky but Avi, you guys remember, right? People just yep. depositing sticky because collateral, borrowing Eve, and keep looping that, and that's sort of like five x everything sticky, right? The math, and but sticky fractive is still not available on Avi. Sticky fractive is only available as collateral to borrow frac, so it's not loopable yet. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, if if I'm not wrong, it's pending proposal to be on Avi. And I think when that comes, it'll be a massive wave of you know, loop demand. I mean, if you're looping, you, you definitely go for the highest yield, right? <laughs> just yeah, a, yeah. It, it's just it's common sense. So I think definitely stake pricing goes to like two billion. And just on some back of envelope math, two billion or five percent yield, the ten percent or eight percent to protocol is something that something like eight million dollars to the protocol. I think that's in the for sure. That's almost half of existing revenues today. So all in all, I think the pro- the 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 the, the, pro- the report puts together the present, why it's cheap, and the future as to why it will drive growth, right? So another back of the envelope math, just simple, right? Uh, Frax is value at like four hundred to five million market cap today. Mm-hmm. Um, Stablecoin business, I think at the lows, um, it's like a 300 million market cap business. I think at the lows, right? At the lows. So conservative bear market type valuation. Frax chain L2, a non, like most low activity L2s have like a hundred million in market cap. We're talking like the Boas and, uh, you know, Metis networks and stuff like that, right? Then we have um, StakeFrax E. So StakeFrax E gets to like 8 million in revenue and slap on like a 29 multiple that's something like close to 160 to 200 million. You put all this together is already like a six hundred billion market cap. That's conservative. If we go if we go into like a more bull market back of handled math, then let's say you know Frax Eve gets valued closer to Rockpool, which is already seven hundred million by itself. Frax chain goes to something closer to like you know three hundred million, four hundred million, like an injective. Um, you know, let's not even talk about optimism or arbitrary. That's already like three to four hundred million. Just these two parts are already a billion dollars in market cap, and and we know the stable coin in a bull market because curve curve price goes up, it starts you know minting a lot of revenues that also easily gets uh, half a billion. So my my point is, there's obviously a huge range of numbers that, that you can you know use your imagination to play with. <laughs> it's sort of you know you you it, it is what you want it to be, 
But the point is as well that, you know, it's it's even on very conservative numbers, we have a significant upside to, to, to the valuations. Well said. Well said. A, a part of the report that I really like as well is uh, we have this myth butters section where there are a lot of these like myths about fracks that oh. we address. You know, you know, stuff like, oh, less than one collateral ratio means fracks is unsafe and it can be pegged. Where we sort of address, you know, these 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 myths, which I really like that section because these are sort of comments that I've seen in the chat, in my in my in my in my tweets, people just asking me as well, and and, and I think that section, in fact, deserves an entire dashboard myself probably <laughs> yeah. on like you know frax frax FAQ mm-hmm. on 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 on, on yeah. the page. Yeah, safety frax. I, I yeah. love all of that bull energy and that bull posting. Okay, now, now I was gonna come in and ask as a you know fund manager and, and a person who manages your risk very effectively, what are some of the risks to your thesis here? Wow, I think the biggest risk, which I also address in the report is obviously we know that there's a huge overhang from this whole SEC tokens and security Sam and his team based in the US type of fun, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, the team is working on it. The Sprags out. Frags Gov will decentralize Frax, which will make Frax functioning regardless of, you know, um whether the team is around or not. And to the to the, to be very honest, the, the, the SEC's definition of a of, of 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 a security of a token as a security pretty much makes almost everything security. So it's sort of like the, the risk that you have to grapple as a as, as, as a crypto as a crypto you know trader or investor, right? You sort yeah. of manage that, you think about that, right? And and sort of um size up your, your your trades that way. Yeah. And I'd also like to add, what is the most profitable business in all of crypto right now? Stop Binance. It's not Coinbase. Stable coins, right? Think it's about Tether. That. It's Tether. Yeah. Tether is just raking in money at these interest rates. Just like it's just raining. It's just absolutely pouring bills everywhere. Um, and just to think, like, if Tether is like where it is today, like where could Frax be? Where could Frax be with Frax Chain? Where could be Frax be when it gets to the FMA? Where could Frax be with Frax V2? It's, you know. I don't want to yeah. get myself too excited, but it's going places. Yeah, I think I think that the the dream um, for me, I mean, I wouldn't call it a dream, but I think you know what we're, what I would love to see from facts, and I think it, probably not too far away is you know one day being able to load a crypto credit card with facts and just spend it. And I, I I think there's people will ask why do I need to do that as Tether. I, I think there's a huge demand for that because there, there there are parts of the world which you know don't like how you know Tether is. I mean, one obviously everyone does like how it's dodgy, but more above 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 other stuff as you know how Tether and, and, and USDC it touches US banking rails, which means you know there is a certain degree of centralization behind it and. You know, if, if you're in parts of the world that, that, that can be easily sanctioned uh, against by the U.S., you're always running this fear that, that, that there's a chance that, you know, your, 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 your wallet, um, the, the USDC or Tether frozen, obviously that's not a very common thing today, but it's still 
it's still risk. I, th- I think one just likes their, um, their money to be controlled by someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And to add to that question, like what else does success look like to you, O, for Frax? I think I think right now a lot of um, a lot of the usage of Frax is still is still is still is still not daily, you know, usage. It's it's still very much very much a DeFi product. People use Frax to earn yield or you know they use frax um to deposit it somewhere um and most of the facts today is that in fact like you know protocol control right i think success would be eventually the usage of frax being almost equivalent to the usage of die which is very prevalent um you know you can you can use it as a means of transaction it no longer is seen just as a DeFi product but also you know, just as uh, another mainstream stablecoin you can use and you can transact with it, right? If you guys remember the days of um, UST, right? Like Terra, they, mm. they were using it to transact in Korea. So, yeah, yeah. They, they really got that monetary premium right for UST when it was a thing. Yeah, exactly. Monetary yeah, premium, yeah, that, that's the word. Got it. So, so you're still of the uh, school of thought where it's the medium of exchange, the store of value, and the unit of account. And that is what success looks like for the Frax stablecoin. Do you have any thoughts on what the Frax ETH stablecoin success looks like? Could you say it's the same thing? I would say that it's not the same thing because um, if we look at the biggest stake ETH product, which is Kaidos Ethneet. It's basically, you know, a financial product, right? Everyone's taking their ease because they want yield. So mm-hmm. I think ultimately uh, the success we, house. We, we hear just just, just pause one second. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. One, one second, like one second. My, my dog. Yeah, all good. My, my, my dog is, uh, is kind of agitated or something. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, cool. It's so weird. So, so I, I, I would say. Give this. <laughs> <laughs> bullish, bullish Frax. Oh. He's so bullish, yeah. he cannot code it in. <laughs> he, can't, he can't contain himself, the dog. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is such a good pod. Like, I, I love hearing yeah, I, another person that is not us so convicted on Frax. <laughs> back, 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 back to the pond. Um, yeah, my, my, I have, I have so a black. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a Shiba actually. You have <laughs> a Shiba? Oh, yeah. That's incredibly Very on brand. On brand, <laughs> everything around me is crypto. Um, so, 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 um, I was saying, I think, I think we need the majority of the market to realize how Frax Eves has these features that um, is superior to the rest of the liquid staking tokens. And I still think a majority of the market don't realize it yet. Um, yeah, and, and that's how I think success looks. Okay. How can Frax increase its monetary premiums to get that kind of adoption that you saw at UST before its fall, that you see with DAI, that you see with USDC and Tether? I think it's BD. I BD. think I think BD. I think I think I think we need I think we need more BD. Um, okay. And I mean, look at look at Reserve Protocol, right? Yeah, we had them on. <laughs> 
Yeah, so look at them. They're, 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 they're users of, of, of their, their tokens in Batam, right? And yeah, they, yeah, I think that's right. Frax has been around longer, if not as long as, as them, and, and I don't see why Frax can, can get there. I think I think the only thing um, that's um, stopping us at the moment is because Frax is largely on Ethereum, right? But with Frax chain, that's when so we move a lot of Frax to Frax chain, where gas costs are almost free. And that's where, you know, Frax can be used, you know, in, in transactions. You could have gas subsidized for free transactions. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and not to forget, like, Frax chain uses Sati, um, right? Correct. For gas. Or for, yeah. yeah. So that you also know, is a flywheel. I really want to write a proposal to change the name of Frax chain to Fractal. I think Fractal would really take off. <laughs> why, 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 why do you want to, why, why, why not Frax chain? I, I've talked with Sam about it. I talked with a few other people, like usually a roll up or another, ch- it's, it's usually like something like, you know, like Avalanche or Polygon or Optimism. Like you don't really see like chain in the name itself. And so Sam, you know, he brought up the idea of calling it Fraxmalism. It's kind of, to me, that's a little bit of a ma- mouthful because I mean, it's like <laughs> optimism, but I think fractal is yeah. perfect because I re- more recently described Frax as a fractal of DeFi because of yeah. stable coins and the sub protocols. I think it's like easy to grasp. I think people could get it. I think it could really hit marketing wise with, you know, the most average user that might not have a lot of, they say, oh, fractal. And, uh, you know, I think it, it could be a sick name. You can do sick branding with it. Like I'm, I'm all in fractal. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think do, that's a great yeah. idea. I think we yeah. need to do some focus group testing. Let's, let's drop some polls in all of the, you know, I group chats in Telegram. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think right now I did a poll on Twitter recently and it was basically neck and neck between fractal and fraction. Pretty but, good. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. I was on mute. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll get up. Oh, actually, I, I wanted to, uh, uh, Dave, are you done with kind of fracture-related yeah, questions? Done. I want to, cool, cool. I want to shift gears a little bit and ask, oh, are there one other project that you have similar conviction in? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I have other projects, which, which I have other projects, which I have high conviction in as well. But I think, I think, you know, Cracks ticks all of the checkboxes. I think the the hardest checkbox to tick is is really the team. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a hard one. Yeah, Got it. and that's like, not okay. something that's yeah. not something you can fix like overnight, right? That's that's that takes time. That that's why it's hard like the to... DNA of the project itself. It's actually more. It's more so the soul. The project itself is you know the team and the community that coalesces around the project and the team and like the community that the team attracts. And I think if you see the community of Frax and what the team has, uh, you know, kind of attracted to it, it's a lot of people that understand nuance. It's a lot of people that understand like, okay, like you have to be patient. Like, okay, like what's being cooked up here. But over time it's like, oh, like now, now I understand. Like, oh, now we understand. Yeah. 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 I had another, I feel, uh, go ahead. I just want to add a comment. I just feel like also the fact that the team is so integral to kind of like why we're also bullish on it. 
frankly, also another vector of risk, right? Them all being based in the U.S. Well, and, you know, yes, I'm, FraxGov can come on it and all that stuff. But I just still feel that like you just I talked would, about it. The team is the like soul. The, I would still say the project's still early. Like, it was it like, it's about, to t- it's two and a half years old. And so at this point early on, I think it still needs like the love, tender and care of, you know, the core team, much less than it used to. Like we can, I think we all can admit that like, you know, significant strides have been made for decentralization and even more significant strides are going to be made in the future. But, you know, it's, it's still like, I think a die is like six years old. Ethereum mm-hmm. is nine years old. You know, if it's like, if it's, Six, you know, if it's six years since birth or nine years since like Prax's genesis and the team's still like heavily involved, then I'd be like, okay, like we didn't, we haven't decentralized enough. But I think we're on like the correct pace, we're on the correct timescale uh, towards mm-hmm. decentralization. And just speak a little bit more to that an example of the team kind of doing it is us, right? Flywheel yes. is completely community driven, is completely just from good folks, core advocates. We're the core advocates core advoc- of yeah, the Frax I, team, I, right? Uh, and oh, yeah. I want to get your, your take on that. Like, how do you, because Frax, the core team is only like eight Navy SEAL devs that just crank that <laughs> product all day. Yeah. Like, they don't do the marketing. Like, you just see them telegram, hey guys, we launched Frax Land. Thanks, bye. Back to work. <laughs> like, that's just yeah. hardly what the shit they yeah. do. So, how do you think about like, you know, organizations like Flywheel and I'm sure others in the future is going to come out and start supporting Frax? Do you like this kind of decentralization or do you think it's like less efficient? I, I have, I think I have like a mixed view about it. I like that. I like, I think what I, let's, let's start with what I like first. I think what I like is you end up with people that's really passionate and they own, they have true ownership of what they proposed and what they're trying to build um, as an extension um, to Frax, right? Guys, like you guys, you guys came up with the idea, you make the product, you own it, right? And you have true ownership over the product versus an employee um, who's probably, you know, not as motivated because, you know, they don't have true ownership of the product that they're just being instructed and they're just being assigned certain uh, project responsibility. But what I don't like is um, then you have to wait, right? You have to wait for that person to come, that person to sort of have this idea and, and build this out. And that, that gives me an idea, right? How do you, how do you have something like you guys, but you know, it's like a BDR of like cracks, right? Like someone that's like, you know, write the proposal and be like, hey, like, you know, we can do all of this BD for Frax, but how, how do you get incentivized? Because it's hard, it's hard to measure, right? It's hard to measure BD. Yes. BD is an intangible profession. Like, as someone that has worked in BD in the past three years uh, in crypto, it's hard to measure and hard to really gauge until you're gone. Until that BD person is gone, then you realize like, oh, like that's what's been missing. Cause it's kind of, it's just like, it's not just like what you bring in, like, yeah, there's KPIs, but it's kind of the, the vibe you bring to it, the energy you bring to it. Um, and I think, you know, us at Flywheel, we're doing some BD role. Like I like to think when we do these interviews, like let's say we have a project come on, uh, we talk and we actually just come up with ideas on the fly. Like hell, today, earlier, uh, we were doing, I call it open source BD with Resonate. I'm like, hey, like, why don't you guys talk about to Hourglass about getting on their exchange? 
And it's like, oh, that's a good idea. And, you know, we've done the same thing with protocols in the past. Like we've had the Gearbox guys on, they went to get on to get an AMO in the future. So, you know, we're doing our part and, uh, you know, I'd be down to do more BD in the future as well. Um, I'm just like, I'd, I'd like to ask you more about that after the show. It's like, how would we like come up with like a BD plan for like Frax and Flywheel? Yeah. So it's, it's exactly to, to your point, BD is so intangible and it's not something you can design with a blueprint. It's, it's actually a lot of hustle, right? It's, it's, it's a free form. It's a free form. Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. just out there going to people, asking people, it's floating the idea. It's just not stop doing that. And, and, and so that's, that's tough. I think that's, that's where it's, and it's tough. I, I will. Yeah. I'll also add that it's incredibly hard to like get funding to do BD in a public forum, just from, from experience. Like I've done yeah. it before. I've like been like, sometimes I've been successful, like, and sometimes I haven't, but it, it's really difficult because it's like one of those intangible things you can't measure. And because it's intangible, it's, you can't really point to anything. So it's like really easy to shoot down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which I think is a shame, right? Because, you know, crypto is kind of built on this whole mechanism of incentivization design and how you can get people to be motivated to do work. It's, not that it, it's actually built to incentivize these kind of intangible things, right? These yeah. economic factors that would just push Brilliant. us to do, well, more. And I feel like, you know, BD, just not just in the frack sense, but like across all of crypto, if you have a person who's or a group of individuals who are ready to be your evangelist, like go let let them go and evangelize, right? And evangelist evangelizing is similar to BDing, where it's kind of intangible. It's just as long as you kind of spread the gospel and you kind of get it out there. I think the that needs advocates. to be advocates. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be a budget that is just like almost just for core advocacy and core evangelizing, in my opinion, on the DAO's balance sheet. Actually, I think that's a great idea. It should be a dedicated budget. And everyone, you know, maybe every quarter, every month is free to do whatever BD they do. And if there's a successful introduction and you know, it gets clocked somewhere and, you know, maybe the top like five BD people get a split of this like, you know, monthly budget. I think that's a great idea. But um, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop this after yeah, the, a, the pod. Oh, this sounds yeah. good. <laughs> there's actually a, that's basically what I do for Gelato. Uh, right now since i left i you know i get i get them intros and if they end up getting you know integrations and you know following through on those integrations being used um i get commission and so yeah but oh, this like, is this is so, all yeah yeah no 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 go on go on go on uh, uh you, know, you go ahead no I, as i say this is what we do as well as advisors right i mean um i advise a number of protocols and you know it's just not technical, right? I'm not a dev. Well, what we do as advisors is, you know, specking out how obviously, you know, that the product would look to make it as retail friendly, as commercial as possible. But more often than not, it's, it's BD. It's just connecting, you know, the protocols that we know to each other, protocols that we have invested into each other and hope that they can work together. And and that's, that's sort of, it's, it's, it's the same thing. So, yeah. And yeah. uh, just, you know, we're kind of coming up to the, the tail end of the pod here, but uh, the I wanted tail to ask end, you, you say, 
<laughs> oh, nice. I, I, no pun intended. I meant to do that. Pun intended. But as we, <laughs> Always as, as we approach the end, which is also the beginning and of my next question, <laughs> and that is, you know, outside of, you know, uh, DeFi, are you looking at oh, wait, what else excites you in crypto right now? Wow. Um, to be honest, because, you know, like I mentioned at the start, I came from a finance background. So there's always this natural inclination towards um, DeFi. And, 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 and to be honest, um, these days, while people can very easily be excited over a lot of new tech, I, I tend to, you know, I am quite a skeptic. So um, I tend to wait and see before they come. Um, so not much. I, I'm actually more, I would say that the question I'll answer the question in another way, which is I'm actually very skeptical over many of these existing valuations in crypto, um, especially, you know, some of these metaverse games kind of stuff. It's, I just struggle mm-hmm. to see, I just struggle to see how these things command the kind of valuations that they command. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that leads to my next question can come from, you know, more equities background, you know, institutional background. Um, what are your thoughts on institutional adoption of DeFi? How do you see it playing out over the next few years? And how does Frex fit into that adoption? To be honest, I think it's a long way to institutions mm-hmm. adopt DeFi. I think if you think about the DNA of an institution, you know, we're, we're talking about banks and all of these like finance companies, they 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 they, 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 they want they want to keep they want to keep the pie to themselves and going into DeFi is the MD thesis of that, right? Which is why we've seen a lot of in the early innings of or, or these early glimpses of institutional adoption in twenty one or twenty two um, during the bull market were these permission pools. Because you know KYC obviously matters, right? You're staking right. Mm-hmm. years of reputation and years and years of you know brand equity um, going to you know, this really frontier product. So I, I actually think that institutional adoption is is, is in itself uh, it's is is oxymoron. I just don't think that it happens. Yeah, okay. I think that yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's a retail product. And that doesn't mean that it's small because, you know, as we have mentioned, right, monetary premium, um, you can't have merchants using it, consumers using it, just the, the, the average Joe using it. Uh, and that in itself is a huge time. Yeah. Speaking of permission pools, I definitely see a future with permission rollups. I can see JP Morgan rolling up yeah. to the scene. I can see Goldman Sachs rolling up to the scene. Like, I feel like if institute that I can't, it's hard for me to see like institutions wanting to like play in the pool with the rest of us. Like you said, they want to own their stack. Like they've, they've had this, you know, thing set up in a certain way for decades and uh, they, it's going to be hard for them to let go. Um, it's just like a matter of how those, but now I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself there. But um, which, yeah, which is, which is, that, which is the irony, right? Because, um, <laughs> The point of blockchain is what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It has to be open, it's to be accessible. I mean, (laughs) what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but here you know, all this talk got me thinking about base. 
right? And when when base, base like you know, the, like Coinbase's base, base, and, and when when that blue circle launches on on Optimism or using Optimism's stack, OP stack, like, bedrock, OP stack, the bedrock rather, and start using bedrock. Maybe it looks something like that, right? They have millions of users. Institutions are already using them for custody. So that brand equity of base can be a really nice kind of bridge. It's an easier pill to swallow. Like, hey, we know Coinbase, this is their thing. And maybe we can start playing a little bit in DeFi and offering it to like our uh, Wells Fargo retail users, the ones who are like the younger crowd and wants to get a, a bit of this, you know, DeFi stuff. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see them offering products on chain, but um, you know, for example, like tokenized treasuries and stuff like that, right? That's easy. Um, but I just don't see how they would run an entire DeFi ecosystem like what we the DeFi that we're used to, um, and and just allowing it to, you know, be so open and, and anyone to just walk in and, and use it. I mean, I, I I I'm not criticizing the way that um, you know they approach this because understandably, like I said, they have compliance um, practices to the to, to work around. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that makes me all the more excited for Fractal coming out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to meme into cap right there. Box. Yeah. And on that note, uh, I think we've reached the end, which is also the beginning. And But we're going to take it back to something that we always do uh, at the end of these interviews, which is the lightning round. So we take a break okay. from the DeFi and go more into Orosboros as the person. Yeah, we want to get to know the person behind the PFP. So behind you know, the, the first question, I, I always like to start with, it's like, when did you first touch the blockchain? What was your virgin crypto experience? And sexist doesn't count. Um, wow, sexist doesn't count. I think it's twenty late twenty twenty, and I think I think it was either I think it was sushi swap or yun swap. Forgot. Yeah. My favorite food emoji farms. All right. Second question. What is your favorite off chain touch grass activity, hobbies and interests? Sports for sure. What sports? What type? In winter, winter sports like uh, snowboarding. Snowboarding. Nice. Yeah. We don't, we don't have snow in Singapore. So unfortunately I have to, <laughs> I have to tremble for that. <laughs> have you been where do you go? Same, do you go like Japan where Arthur Hayes? Yeah. Is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, what's some advice you would give to your younger self? Wow. Um, I would say always, if you don't understand something, and the most of the world doesn't understand it. There's probably a lot of value in not writing it off. Oh yeah, that's basically how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> Should have met you when I was younger. Should have yeah. met you when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of determined that during DeFi summer. It's like I really don't get all of this, but if I know if I get enough of it, and like I can have a grasp, be comfortable, and be able to conversate and get like the like the points of it, then I think I'll be good. And um, yeah, this is how this is how I'm running Flywheel. <laughs> this is how I ended up running Flywheel, honestly. Yeah, nice. I think I think crypto taught me that as well. Yeah, yeah. You gotta know. And, uh, you don't have to know everything. You have to know. You can just know enough, because there are yeah. other people that know everything and fill in the gaps. 
But go ahead, Kit. And, and, and then for me, speaking of people, it's finding the right people. And like, no matter what it is that you do, it, it could be crypto, it could not be crypto. But it's like, for me, it's like finding the right people and the right crowd that is yours. And then that's yeah. how you kind of really grow. I always right, know um, I have Sam in the Telegram. If I have any questions. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, so question for, on my end is if you weren't in finance, were not in crypto, what would your professional career be? Oh, uh, a dog breeder. <laughs> dog breeder. <laughs> Shiba yeah. or Shiba? Shiba breeder. <laughs> everything. 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 Wow. Okay. First uh, time. For, yeah, that is the first. And now we're yeah. on to our last question: Who would you like to see as a guest on Flywheel? Oh, Elfress. Uh, how press oh All right could you yeah, guys make the intro, intro. Yeah. make the intro we'll bring make it the intro. i could i, I could connect you guys after show. oh hell yeah oh yeah we'd love to have him on yeah, yeah yeah sweet and on that note we're pressing forward to the end ouroboros thank you for coming on thank you and for where, having me guys and where, where can people find you on twitter just dm me i dm you and when should we expect that report so next week uh, likely will be out because uh, I oh, did commit week. to a yeah. date. I okay. did commit to a day with Dave. So <laughs> my 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 feet is being out to the fire. Otherwise, I'll just keep procrastinating yeah. on it. But <laughs> this is why we nice. do this. Yeah. So nice. like this week, this is going to come out next week, which will be this week. So next week, there. yeah, it's incoming. Uh, Orbos, Oros, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, sir. And hope to have you again soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. Post game. I'm DeFi Dave here with Capital K. We just ripped the show with Ouroboros Capital, the snake that eats its tail. But it's great. It's constant rebirth, death and rebirth, death and rebirth. And I feel like Frax is in a constant state of death and rebirth, death and rebirth. We go through this cycle of like, oh, yeah, narrative, we catch a bit, and then boom, we go down. And it's like, <laughs> oh, like, it's like, how do we get, like, how do we get that, like, start? And like, how, how can we get the rest of DeFi and the rest of crypto to see what all three of us see in Frax? And I think, you know, O nailed it on two fronts. One is being accessibility of information, whether it be via dashboards or infographics or threads or et cetera, et cetera. Or second is, or rather, and second is the BD efforts. Like, I, I really think we could do a much harder drive there. And I, I think we, we should definitely have an internal discussion at Flywheel about this. Yeah, I like wonder, yeah, we definitely should see like what, they, what they're looking for, what they need, what their goals are. I know the team is quite methodical in their strategy. And like when it's time to do BDE, like they're going to step up and do it. But you know, maybe there's something we can do. I mean, we've been doing it. So I'd love to like help any way I can. That's why we're all here. Um, what were some of your biggest takeaways from this episode? Um, for me, hold on one sec. Let me review our, our question list just so I can refresh here. I, what I really like was what he said about equities are something that you can actually talk to the founder and get a grasp of like this person, that's this person's DNA, their mental, who they are and how that kind of drives the stock, which is very different from Forex, right? You can't just call up the central bank. Yeah. Like, yo. <laughs> so I, I, I like he, that he took that and applied it to, to, to crypto in a very real sense of the word. I learned a lot from that kind of viewpoint. And how people centric 
crypto really is like you know with the team and the project founders and the community and like how much we he emphasized bd and the importance of bd and getting out there and you know another great example of bd we talked about like terra like they had great bd but like look at polygon polygon is oh, such yeah. great BD. Yeah. They, they have such great bd that when donald trump dropped their his nfts on there everyone's like how who did that who did that no one knew they, they just did it on them because polygon became the standard for cheap chain nfts yeah it was also a great rebrand from a side chain to an L2, right? Like no one really just talk about that anymore. They just talk about Polygon as almost a, a part of ETH. Just yeah, it's ETH, like it's it's little cousin. Yeah, exactly. So and that was great. And um, I also like his whole how he broke down his investment thesis on like why we're bullish now. Kind of runs through the math a little bit with the back of the envelope stuff, plus all the catalysts that's going to come from that and also kind of bookend it with like, Hey, here are the risk, but also all the mitigations. And it just for yeah. the folks listening at home, that is literally the template that I was taught in equity analysis at school, <laughs> literal template. Buy the book, buy the <laughs> buy, book. This is literally by the book. I, I, I pulled up my old template and I was like, yep, yep, yep. Okay. That's There's it. a risk section <laughs> that he skipped over. I got to ask this. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite part, just how goddamn bullish he is and how much fucking conviction he has and like he just oh, like dude. real recognized real uh and he sees the team he sees them more he actually sees what like i saw on the team firsthand in person uh he, he saw from you know seeing like how they acted in the chat seeing like how they carry themselves uh you know in public seeing how seeing all these different things that like go into like hey like what makes the protocol tick? What's going to make a protocol tick and what's going to make it, you know, last the long haul. Um, and, and, and how so, to like, ship product. How to ship and how to, how to fucking ship, ship like there's no tomorrow. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, I also feel like, um, you know, his, his last bit about like, there are literally no other projects that he has this much conviction in. None. I thought none. I, I was very surprised to hear that because you know, as as a fund manager who manages outside capital, not just his own, and he's taking like such a concentrated bet. This is not saying this you know, FXS is his only position, but I'm just saying for him to have so much conviction only behind one name, that's that's really freaking cool, especially in the bear market. Dude, he's our guy. Yeah, he, he's our guy. I would love to have him on. Like, I think he's a great temperature check on what the real fundamental driven investor in this crypto space are currently thinking and like what's what's kind of their appetite i think he's a great temperature check we should have him on at least once a quarter yeah quarterly report with Ouroboros. yeah one chip around the sun i mean four chips around the already sun. <laughs> yeah yeah or, yeah um do any so many there's so many like golden points in this we really went down memory lane you know, talking about DeFi summer, you know, talking about in the rise of certain De Daniel DeFi siesta. <laughs> Daniel siesta. Like, you know, it's it's really a testament to how long Frax has stayed around and how many storms it has weathered to this very day. Um, yeah. And Lindy does a cure over time. And it's just, you know, a matter of just, just grinding it out. But I, I really did like his, um, you know, kind of like where could Frax improve? Uh, and that's with BD. It's like, it seems like, you know, if, if we could have a similar aggressive BD strategy, like a Lido, like going to every forum saying like, hey, you should like stake, you should allocate to us, you know, like if we had like a strategy like that, 
you know, that would be like pretty, pretty dope. <laughs> what do you think? You're yeah, muted. Dude, I, I, I think for a hundred percent, like flywheel could do a lot more job in pushing, even if it's just pushing people to hold Frax ETH, right? Like just pushing protocols to hold Frax ETH. Yeah. Like, what's I, stopping I, us from I just throwing like that this out, proposal like, up? I, I mean, like, like I said, it's like so hard with like the proposals because it's, you can't, it's hard to measure intangible value. I think like the team recognizes it and people, I know the team recognizes it. I know people like Ouroboros and other people in the community recognize it, but it's a matter of getting other people to recognize it. It's like, oh, like, why aren't we doing like this BD stuff? But BD is actually intangible. It's like the shit that you got to do. And so like. You know, I've, I've like tried to like figure out like proposals, like before I, d I did the uh, SFRAX ETH, you know, referral proposal that got pushed back and would incentivize us to like go out there and do BD for FRAX ETH. But it, you know, I didn't even like get it up to a vote because it got so much pushback. Yeah. I was like arguing with people about, I'm just like, this is not, I'm just like, all right, fine. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. No, I, I think it just it. needs probably a bit more structure around like, hey, we're going to do uh, five proposals per week and we're going to aim for a, you know, 50% success rate. So our target for like the quarter is, you know, the 60 total uh, number of DAOs to add Frax ETH. And then we'll track the total number of Frax ETH that is in these DAOs' treasury. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we could structure something where it's quite tangible in terms of like our efforts in, in, in getting the BD done and also the outcome and the results, which is obviously the TVL of Frax ETH increasing that, that we're responsible yeah. for. I think Absolutely. there's definitely room for that. Yeah. We want to get involved. We're here. Like we're, we're the flywheel team. Like Frax is in our DNA. Frax. Frax facts. <laughs> yeah. That, that's some Frax facts right there. Yes. Put, put our name on it. Um, but yeah, I think, that's it for the post game. Any final thoughts? No, I, I just I thought this was a great one. Oh, one last final thought for all you fundamentalist analysts analysts out there. What he did at the with the back of the envelope math is you know just simple comps analysis of looking at like hey this part of the business is like this that part of the business is like this so you know frax chain similar to an L1 call it like the cheaper L1 call it metis or something else and then for the LSD part call it like you know rocket pool or something like that then call the stable coin part you know value at this level or something like that you, you know so I, I definitely love how he was able to take two different mm -hmm. sides of analysis one almost driven like a DCF type of, of revenue yeah. fundamental analysis. And then the second is a comps analysis. So and those also, are great fundamental analysis tools to use. Take notes, everyone. And if you want to take notes on every episode of Flywheel, make sure you hit that bell button and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at FlywheelDeFi. Join our Telegram group, at FlywheelDeFi. You can follow me on Twitter, at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. Subscribe to the Substack, and we'll see you next week. Go, 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 go. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes, and it's not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.